For our scripture reading this morning, I want to take us to a very familiar passage of scripture. We'll be in, I believe it's three um, passages of scripture. It might be four, but uh, they're kind of, a couple of them are grouped together. And so we're in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. So feel, uh, feel free to turn to that in your Bibles. John is the fourth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the passage of Scripture that we're in today, we come into the section where Nicodemus has come to visit Jesus. Nicodemus, if you're not aware, is a, as it says in, in the first verse there, you'll see it says a ruler of the Jews. But he was a teacher, he's a rabbi. And so he's coming to Jesus, and he has some questions for Jesus basically relating to salvation. We're going to jump in at verse uh, 16 through 21, and uh, I'd like for you to read and follow along with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that the deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. The question I have for you is, how valuable is mankind? How valuable is mankind? Do you believe that you are in the whosoever? Are you in the whosoever? Jesus was concerned and, and he loved the masses, but do you believe that you are part of the whosoever? Sometimes we devalue ourselves. But it's important for us to recognize that We are valued by God. It wasn't just the masses. If we, if we go into John chapter 4, you have the story of the woman at the well. And you might remember that the woman at the well was a Samaritan. You might further remember that Jesus, in that passage of Scripture in chapter 4, says... He needs to go through Samaria. And remember, the Samaritans were down, well, looked down on by the Jews. They were looked on as dogs, so to speak. The Samaritans were of a heritage that had a mixed heritage. It wasn't all Jewish. They had their own worship system and they would avoid interaction. The Jews would avoid interaction with them. And that's what makes the story of the Good Samaritan so 
powerful is that even though they were down, looked down on, it was the Samaritan that helped, stopped and helped the man. It wasn't the priest or, or any of the other individuals. But here Jesus is coming to the Samaritan woman. This individual. In verse 9 of chapter 4, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And this woman, we'll find later in the story that she had multiple interactions with men. Jesus asked about her husband and and he says, and she says she doesn't have one, basically. Or, and Jesus' response is she's been with many men or had many men. And so she has a little bit of a checkered past. And some have speculated. You notice that she was there and she was at the well by herself. It, she, the whole community was out. So Jesus is having an individual conversation with the woman at the well. A woman, remember woman, a standing of a woman at that time was, was lower than it would be today. But he's having a conversation with a woman of a look down on group of people. Some might call them half-breeds or multiple breeds or whatever you want to, I know that can be a derogatory term, but they were part Jew, part other things. So, a woman from a somewhat outcast group of people whose heritage didn't fit the right narrative. And within that outcast group of individuals, she was also, it would seem, as an outcast. But Jesus valued her. Do you consider yourself as part of the whosoever? I wanted to remind you that even as a Christian, and maybe you've accepted Christ, you, it is easy sometimes to forget that you are valued. And you think, oh, I am stupid. Or I am not important. Or nobody cares about me. Jesus says, by his actions, you are valued. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died for us. That whosoever, and that whosoever, in, what's the song say? That whosoever includeth me. That whosoever includes you. And so when you wonder, no, I'm not important. Nobody cares about me. Jesus does. Jesus does. So be careful when you're putting yourself down. It's an easy thing to do. But you're putting somebody down that Jesus thinks is important. When you're putting yourself down, you're putting someone down that Jesus thinks is important. You are valued by God. You are important to God. 
you are loved by God. And in this passage of scriptures, as we've looked at this, we saw two types, right? We saw a ruler in the Jews and a ruler in the religious class that was a teacher that was supposed to know everything. Well, not know everything, but he got scolded by Jesus for, are you a ruler, a teacher, and you don't know these things? Down to the outcast within the outcast. This woman who had done things that people would probably wouldn't be proud of, but God still loved her. So somewhere in between there might be you. And you are valued. The whosoever includeth you, you are valued. Jesus died for you. He just asked that you accept him, that you accept. Ask for forgiveness of your sins, that you follow him. So whether you're a ruler or the outcast, he died for you. You are not worthless. Now some of us have known that and someone can agree with that. But in the midst of the turmoil of our time, as people act truth, logic, lie, they twist, they turn, we have to be very careful that our hearts don't become so jaded that we, de- we start to devalue other people. And maybe that's what in Matthew 5, 21 through 22, on the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus was warning us of, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without of the judgment, the Raka shall counsel. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Give me just a second. I'm going to pull my other mic over because I think mine was cutting out just a minute. I think we're on. Let me get this fixed. There we go. So I apologize for that, but you know how technology is. It happens. So let me, let me back up, and I'll have to pay attention to what I'm doing here. I guess I can do this, too. In Matthew 5, 21, you have heard that it said, To those of old you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. There's several translations of what those words mean. 
And you notice that raka word there is not a word that we would use now. And you notice that it hasn't been translated directly into English. Probably for the difficulty that's around it. But in some of the things that I read, it's basically saying that someone is beyond being redeemed. They're unredeemable. And so we don't want to cast aside someone, let that build up into our heart, that, that concept of hatred and animosity, that we start devaluing, putting beyond redemption someone that God values. But it's a very easy thing to do. If you think about a soldier, and I've not been a soldier, but if you think about a soldier and they're going into war against their enemy, they look at that person and it's out of necessity that they have to fight, they have to kill. It's killed or be killed. The person across from them is following orders just like they're following orders. And it can be, I'm, I'm sure it's a very harrowing and emotional thing. And they might look at it as this is a job, so to speak. This is what I have to do. I don't hold any animosity against that person, but it's the uglies of war. They are the enemy, but for some on that other line, they might be just as scared as I am. And but we have to guard our hearts because we can in, take that hatred inside and then we see the individual as the enemy. Because we have enemies today, it would seem... That, oh, they're not, maybe not trying to physically take over the country or take over the churches physically, as it were. They've eroded the values that some might have been raised on or we might have been raised on. We've underlined the, the, the definition of marriage is perverted now. Not in Scripture. To the point now, some don't see the value of marriage at all, even more so than they did before. Divorce has been allowed to influx even into the churches and throughout. Husband and wife is trying to be erased from official documents. Man and woman, they've been working on that, trying to make them be the same for a long time to the point they don't even want to have man and woman. Don't want to have man and, and wife. No thing, such thing as husband and wife, I should say. And so it keeps coming and it keeps coming and keeps coming. So whether it's the attack on the, the country or the attack on the, the family or the ca- attack on personhood or the attack on being a woman or the attack on being a man, it's attack, it's attack, and it's attack. And we have to guard our hearts because... Who's, what's ultimately going on? Because if we turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we'll look at verses 6 through 11. 
Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And there you would have read that we have to be aware that there, are, there is oppression of Christians in other parts of the world. Sometimes we forget that. We get into the woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. But the challenge becomes, remember, that because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Who is your adversary? That person that's outside of God, that person that's doing some of those evil things is being corrupted, directed by our true adversary. It's the devil. And the devil, if he can't get at you overtly outside the and get you to do those things, is going to corrupt you from where? From the inside. Think of the warning that Jesus gives you. That we build up hatred. We look at these people of unredeemable. They're worthless. They're no value. But just as you have value, be encouraged. They have value. And it's a hard thing to do because the affront, the assail, they tear you down. They tear your ideals. And you see what it's doing to the communities, to families, to your family. Through the country. And it's so easy, so easy to, to get angry and bitter toward the individuals. It's not that we shouldn't take them on, it's not that we shouldn't contrast them, but we have to guard our hearts that Satan doesn't use it to erode us even more. I mean, COVID comes in and separates us, and we get in isolation, and people get in depression because they're isolated. We're made, need, we need to be around people and the technology, and now we got fake people. You can't even tell the fake from the real, and it's constant. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Satan wants to turn our frustration into animosity, our animosity into hate. And we devalue the people and we forget that God values them. And it's such a hard thing. I'm talking to myself too. So if you are the one that feels devalued, remember God died for you. Jesus died for you. You are valued. He loves you. 
He went out to the places where other people wouldn't go to talk to someone that the people, to talk to people in an area that other people didn't like, to talk to an individual in, within that community that the people of that community had trouble with. It's quite a lesson of who we need to be witnessing to. And that person was a value. So we're a value. Or even if we're at the upper echelons, we still need Jesus. If we think we're up here, we probably need humbled. But God values us all. And God values those people that are giving us headaches and hardships and difficulties. And we need to guard our hearts. And remember that our adversary is the devil. That's who we're fighting. And we need to guard that he doesn't use this to cause a wedge of bitterness. And he doesn't make it more difficult for us to witness to other people because we just see them as outcast, worthless, unredeemable. He's tricky. He's tricky. And then see if we're like that, it makes it difficult to see the lost and dying soul that we're running into, that we're having the problem with. They get just poor service when we go to the restaurant or the store. And I'm talking to myself too. So may the Lord help us to remember we are valued and that God values others and help us to be witnesses in our community. And may the Lord help our country because we need to turn back to him. Let's be standing together. Father God, we do thank you for your word. May our hearts be opened as we've covered our personal value. Because sometimes we feel devalued. We feel worthless. We feel unimportant. That no one cares, no one loves. That we don't matter. But we matter to you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. doesn't matter who we are. But help us to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the bad things that I've done. I want to follow you. Help me to follow you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Maybe some pray that kind of prayer to the Lord. But there might be others that are struggling with the onslaught on everything they know to be wholesome. And it's starting to grab hold and they they can sense the bitterness and the hatred coming in and father we pray that you would help us to resist the devil to realize that we're fighting against we're battling against principalities and powers and that he would try to erode us in our attitudes from within help us to guard against it and father we just pray that you'd help us in our walk help us in our attitudes help us to be obedient to you in all things that we might walk closer to you that others might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven and help us have the love that we should for others and see their need of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.